The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm your host Peter Strachan. Welcome to Stockhead's Rockyard. Hyperion Metals has most recently made a move to focus on exploration and downstream development of strategic minerals that find application in low carbon technologies. The company has recently begun exploration work at its Titan Heavy Minerals Prospect in Tennessee in the USA. To update us about Hyperion Metals, I'm delighted to introduce its Chief Executive Officer and Managing Director, Mr. Tasso Arima. Welcome, Tasso. But just to begin, can you let us know a little bit about your background and what you've been doing in the industry? I know you've already had some experience with lithium. And how did Hyperion come to acquire the mineral sands asset on which it has been uh, drilling just recently? Peter, thanks for having me on the show. I uh, really appreciate it. So essentially, my background, I was uh, I started off in the metals mining industry within uh, Perth in Western Australia and pretty uh, close to the start of my career. I was working for a boutique uh, investment bank back then called Capital Investment Partners, and I got involved in uh, initially in the coal industry. I was the founder of a company called Coal Spur Mines uh, back in 2006, 2007. Uh, that took me to North America. Um, and then in uh, 2015, I moved to the United States with a separate coal project. And pretty soon after moving to the United States, I realised that there was uh, a difficult future for coal uh, into the uh, over the next few years. So uh, we repositioned our team here in the United States. Back then, we were really focusing on battery materials, what's come to be known now here in the United States as critical materials. Uh, so 2016, we were looking at um, lithium uh, focused developments. We centered in, closed in on uh, a lithium position in uh, Gaston County, North Carolina, and that was really the start of what is now called Piedmont Lithium, which is uh, listed on the NASDAQ uh, with CDIs trading in Australia. And we took that from nothing, you know, a coffee in a Starbucks, both myself and Lamont Leatherman, our chief geologist, to what is now a uh, billion dollar company. So that, that was our first real foray into what's now known as critical materials. Uh, we were really at the start of the whole focus on supply chain issues here in the United States. Um, not only that, we also got involved heavily in the downstream and, uh, and talking with uh, you know, the US Department of Energy and uh, different players in the industry for electric vehicles. So as we had some, as we started to have success in uh, in Piedmont, uh, we put in place an outstanding CEO, Keith Phillips, uh, and all of a sudden it was uh, evident that that was going to do really well. And my time there was sort of coming to an end. Um, although as an executive director, I moved to a non-executive position. And so my team and I, again, that started uh, Piedmont Lithium, we started looking at the new opportunities. And that's what brought us to West Tennessee um, with what we what is now known as our Titan Critical Mineral Project. And that's also what brought us out to focusing on uh, titanium metal as well. So really it was an evolution of being in the metals and mining industry, moving to the US, learning about what the US needs and inserting ourselves in there as, as 
uh, critical group uh, that can develop these sort of US critical material, both mineral and metal industries. What I'll do is just jump forward a little bit, Tasso, because uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the actual assemblage in a minute. But Hyperion is working to move up the value chain by producing low carbon titanium metal at this project. Can you tell us about this opportunity and how that's going to pr- progress? It's definitely our focus over the longer term is, is, and we believe the big value is in disruptive titanium metal technology, which reshores titanium metal in the United States. The US is not is 100% import dependent on titanium metal today uh, for its defense and aerospace industry. But it goes more than that. It's reshoring it, doing it better, doing it more sustainably, but also doing it cheaper. And uh, getting to a point where we can bring titanium metal uh, parts and components costs down closer towards stainless steel and aluminum and allow for the displacement or the disruption of the lightweight structural metals market. So, you know, it's it's really a, a real focus for us to solve that supply chain. We see huge market opportunity there. Stainless steel and aluminum market globally is $270 billion combined. Uh, it's very enticing to be a one-of-one company and be able to monopolize not just that titanium metal market by developing this low-carbon technology, but also um, disrupt these other massive markets. And what we've been able to secure um, was technology that was developed by ARPARE, which is the equivalent of DARPA within the uh Department of Energy here in the US, where they funded $10 million of worth of research, uh, taking a technology with, that was invented by uh, Dr. Zach Fung out of the University of Utah through to a pilot scale. So we're really excited about that. Uh, and I say it a lot when I talk to people and investors, both in Australia, but mainly in, in the US, we are, we are two businesses in one. Uh, We are a zero carbon titanium metal business, which we're trying to build over the longer term, but we have this outstanding potential to integrate with the sustainable critical mineral business, which is really important because we have the rare earths there. We have the titanium minerals there for the paint and pigment industry, which are both, both of those minerals are import dependent today. But um, really, when we look at scaling the titanium metal technology, when I look out 10 years, and this is... Uh, hopefully fully deployed and we're substituting certain steel and aluminum components within battery packs of electric vehicles with uh, with titanium metal, we're going to need that integration because we're going to need that feedstock. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's really important, It's a but it, it provides a, another dimension to what we're doing here in hydrogen. Yeah, so rather than just focusing on the rutile and ilmenite for, as you say, titanium oxide, which goes into paints and plastics and paper, you're looking to go you know right along the value chain there with powder, uh, powdered uh, titanium. And you, you touched on the uh, the markets there for titanium, What you know, aerospace, uh, any other key critical markets that you'd like to name? So titanium metal goes can go into a lot of markets. Anywhere where you use stainless steel or aluminum uh, for lightweighting or for corrosion resistance or, you know, um, you you can use titanium metal. The problem with titanium metal historically has been its cost. Yeah. Uh, it's a very carbon-intensive, energy-intensive production to go from a mineral to a metal. Uh, you go from a titanium mineral through titanium tetrachloride through to a titanium sponge and then into a big 10 to 15 to 20-ton titanium ingot. And then from there, you have to go through a highly energy-intensive process to make parts and components. Yeah. So it's kept 
its use um, away from more mass market applications. So really just in the sort of Boeings and Airbuses of the world and the defense industry. And medical technologies as well. Medical technologies as well, because it is biocompatible and people can pay the extra. But it's kept it away from things like um, consumer electronics in a big way. You do see some consumer electronics use titanium metal, um, but only in the premium uh, goods, I guess, that are sold there. It's kept it out of, uh, you know, vehicle uh, consumption. That's where I see... Two key growth areas: consumer electronics and uh, and electric vehicles could use a lot more titanium metal. If you brought that cost down to what they're currently using, which is stainless steel and aluminum in a lot of components that they yeah. use. So, can you tell us about the assemblage that you've got at Titan in terms of the, the zircon, rutile, ilmenite, uh, other elements that are in that that assemblage of heavy minerals? Absolutely. So, you know, it is, although we're focused on this titanium metal and we see huge value for it, our our mineral project is outstanding. We announced our maiden resource estimate last week or the week before, sorry, and we've already shown that we've got what is the largest mineral sand resource in, in North America, rich in titanium, rare earths, and zircon. These are important, critical minerals for our industries, for the paint and pigment sector, for the rare earth sector, even the ceramic sector, where we import a lot of zircon into this country. Um, so although it seems like we're focused or, or only focused on the titanium metal, we do have this huge foundational asset here in West Tennessee, right in the middle of the market. Now, our assemblage is great. It's fantastic. We've got 12% zircon, 10% rutil, 40% uh, uh, high titanium dioxide content ilmenite, so chloride ilmenite. But we've also got 2%, 2, 2. 2.3% in there of monazite. Um, and that's what makes this deposit very unique um, is the location and that assemblage. We're in the US, which is critically deficient in the titanium minerals and the rare earth minerals. Yeah, and the, the monazite contains the rare earths. Exactly. So the monazite contains a significant amount of uh, rare earth oxides, fifty-eight percent within within the mineral um, con that we've been that we've been uh, testing, and it's rich in the minerals, the rare earth elements that are needed for the electric vehicle industry, the neodymium and praseodymium, but also uh, rich in the rare earths needed for the military, the dysprosium and the terbium. So it's you know, you can find assets like this maybe in the middle of Australia or middle of Africa, but you can't. This this has got the unique location. Yeah, exactly. Location, outstanding infrastructure. It is big. It's going to get bigger because we're in an untapped province here in West Tennessee where there's a lot more exploration that we can do, a lot more land acquisition that we can do, where we're touching less than 1% of the underlying formation being the McNary Sand. It's mineralized throughout here. T- Tasso, can you tell us about the uh, the recovery into a heavy metal, heavy mineral concentrate? Does the monazite go with that uh, is that assemblage? Yes, yes, absolutely. So when we extract out the uh, the mineral sands and we create this heavy mineral con, it will be um, concentrated up into a titanium zircon rare earth rich uh, mineral concentrate. Yeah, so then, so then you can use your magnetics to get a magnetic concentrate and a non-magnetic concentrate from that. Yes, and we're doing some test work now. We've already done 1.5 tonnes of metallurgical uh, test work in Florida with mineral technologies, uh, which showed that flow, gave some indication that flotation 
uh, will work well with the monazite, which is a huge win. Um, and now we're doing another one-ton bulk sample in Mineral Tech's lab in uh, in Queensland, and we hope to update the market on that. But there could be some really early wins there on on being able to recover very efficiently and with high recoveries that monazite. So, Tessa, I noticed that the recent drilling there at the Camden deposit, the new discovery there, has shown some good grades. Uh, how does that deposit relate to the Benton resource, which is in the main Titan project? The Camden drilling is essentially on the up-dip extension of the McNary Sand Formation. So uh, the McNary Sand is split into an upper and a lower McNary Sand. Uh, the upper is uh, contains typically a little bit less mineral than the lower McNary. Uh, so where we, are, where we are at in uh Camden, we are straight into the lower McNary. The upper McNary has uh, is just not there; has been eroded away. So uh, we are into from surface higher grades. So it's really interesting. We've built a great land position around there. It's very similar to our Benton deposit. Um, the only difference being is that instead of being in the upper McNary, which is still a good grade, in areas it's still great. Here in Camden, we're into some exceptional grades. And you've still got um, a drill uh, assays in the laboratory coming through uh, for that, so that we, sh- we should expect more information. Absolutely. I think we released 30 of 80 holes within that Camden area. So we've got another 50 holes or so to release from the Camden area, and we believe we'll be able to do a mineral resource update from that. Uh, and then we've got a lot more holes that we're drilling currently and that are in for assays from remaining exploration properties. So I would expect a lot more um, results this year and in the first quarter next year. So for the benefit of the listener, Tessa, what's the actual estimated resource tons and, and constant grade at the moment? So right now we've got a global average of about 430 million tonnes at 2.2% uh, total heavies and that runs at that assemblage of 12% zircon, 10% rutil, 40% ulnite to 2.2%. Uh, monazite but then within the high grade core which is really focused in on that lower McNary you've got about 200 million tons or 195 million tons at uh, 3.7% I believe it was. A bit higher grade and it's all pretty shallow standard sort of sand mining type area. Yes absolutely Peter these are sand mines right there's certain intricacies within the mineral sand industry that you have to look out for but essentially we're not seeing much difference to say what Iluka did in Virginia. So the, you've spoken about the metallurgical test work that's uh, been going on both in the United States and in Australia, and the information that comes out of that will go into feasibility work that you're planning for the project. Yes. So the metallurgical test work programs we did were for essentially feeding initial process plant design. We plan to do some more larger scale uh, metallurgical test work samples in Australia early next year. Um, this is going to be, you know, much more than a ton, 10 tons or more. And that will feed into pre-feasibility and feasibility study work, which we're slating for next year. Right now, we're still finalizing and going through our scoping study. We, because of Camden and you know, the shallower nature there of the deposit directly into the Lowell McNary, we want to incorporate that into our scoping study. So we plan to get the mineral resource out for Camden and then put the scoping study out. But then we, we intend to go straight into pre-fees and feasibility studies for next next year with the aim that we complete feasibilities by the end of next year. Oh, that's a, you've got that pathway 
well sorted. So what's been your experience in dealing with the local authorities there to gain land access and development approvals, although that's probably a fair way down the track for you? So it's a good question. So we start everything with a view on uh, developing strong community relationships. Our biggest office for Hyperion Metals is in the community in Camden, Tennessee. Uh, I've got a place that I rent there on uh, Lake Kentucky within the community and I'll be there in a couple of days. So I spend a lot of my time out in Tennessee and sometime in in Utah. We've got an excellent team out there. Um, we've uh, were able to secure some fantastic uh, people um, out of the community. Uh, Stephanie Harkle Road, who was the ex um, administrator for the Benton County Chamber of Commerce. Um, uh, and, and Michelle, who had worked in the school system there, they're both outstanding individuals who have built a strong, great office out there for us in Camden, Tennessee, and we've got all our geos based out of there. So we focus on community. Uh, it's very important because we want to leave a strong legacy behind. And it really is in these sort of Eastern US focused projects where you're dealing with private land, no federal or state land. It's all about the community. So yeah. there's pretty prescriptive and and um, things you need to follow from a state mining perspective there you know you'll deal with the u.s army corps of engineers at some point in time but really when it all comes down to it it's about whether the community wants you there or not and that's why we've built strong relationships there i'm going to be spending time with bending county's mayor camden's mayor carroll county's mayor henry county's mayor and some other community leaders there we donated money to the floods in tennessee the sheriffs of a adjoining county so so they're coming in for a for a, um, a dinner and a thing where we where we're giving them the money. There was some major floods in West yeah. Tennessee and Ireland, which killed a lot of people. And so that's a big focus of us community because there's nothing in there to stop this project. It, all we need is to have that community understand that this is strong jobs. We're going to leave behind a lot legacy. It's a long life project too, as well, which is good. So also Hyperion's uh, looking to partner with technology partners for the project, uh, adding value down the track. How far have you got on, on that path? There's a couple of different types of strategic partnerships um, we're looking at. On the mineral side, the titanium and zircon minerals are fairly straightforward. These are big, deep markets where we're right in the middle of it. So we are in discussion with uh, key uh, paint, pigment, ceramic manufacturers in the area. On the rare earth side, we were, we've built a very strong relationship with uh, Energy Fuels um, and Mark Chalmers there is the CEO. Uh, I speak, we speak fairly often every month um, and uh, we were down at their open site day that they had a few weeks back. So we've built strong relationships there for them. That's for the rare earth supply chain. Our rare earth supply chain, our feedstock, our rare earth concentrate can go directly into that uh, rare earth um, capacity that is built and operating today. In America, it just needs feedstock. Yeah. Uh, but then on the titanium metal side, it's really important as well. We're building relationships both within the government, but also within uh, different groups ranging from aerospace through to uh, through to the electric vehicle and consumer electronics sector where we want to build and try and build strong collaborations. We've got an initial one with EOS, which is the largest German 3D print machine manufacturer. It's a private uh, family run that has 300 million euros in sales a year, and we've built a very strong relationship there as well. Well, Tasso, you've got the job ahead of you. You've got a lot of work uh, that you've painted out for the listener today in terms of the ongoing uh, geology, the 
the, the metallurgy work and the downstream processing. Uh, so we'll be watching very closely and I'd be great when you have done your feasibility work, uh, which you'll be doing over the next six to 12 months, I imagine. And that'll be uh, great to keep an update for uh, Stockhead's uh, subscribers as the project progresses. So thanks for coming in today to Stockhead's Rock Yarn and we'll look forward to talking with you again as the project develops. Great. Thanks for having me, Peter.